Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit mbcocala.com slash stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Today, we're hearing a message from our series entitled Filter. Whether or not we are aware of it, our beliefs color the way we view reality. They set our priorities, make our decisions, and determine our outcomes. At Meadowbrook, we believe the best outcomes stem from having a biblical worldview. Amen. Will you help me welcome our internet audience? God bless you guys. So glad you are with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hey, you saw on the um, um, Spotlight video growth track, I cannot encourage you enough to get through growth track. Who is it that we want to go to growth track? Everybody. And if you haven't been, please go through and you can hang out after this service and go the next service. And uh, it's just, it's every month and it's just, it runs concurrently uh, during second and third service. There's just four parts of it, go through it. And it just helps you to really uh, get a hold of what we're doing, why we're doing it, how you can be a part of that. And uh, very engaging too. And I think they have snacks. So anyway, hey, um, we're doing a series called Filter. Everybody say Filter. We're developing a biblical worldview. I intentionally involved this in a lot of different teachings over the years because of its vital, vital importance. So I drop parts of this into all kinds of series. And uh, every now and then, then we just expand on this. And uh, we're an important, important, very important uh, season in our country and in our lives and in our world. And so we're uh, expanding on this a little bit right now. Uh, probably one of the prerequisites to have a biblical worldview would be what? A Bible. Let's try it again. Um, probably one of the prerequisites to start having a biblical worldview would be to have a what? To have a Bible. And I'm not talking about just a 30-pounder that you just kind of dust off that's in the, you know, on a table in the, in the living room, but, you know, one that you're actively reading. If you don't have a Bible, we want you to have a Bible, okay? And so we have some racks on the way out. We, a lot of Bibles went out of here last week, and that blesses my heart. Uh, had some of our teams say we're going to need to order new Bibles. That's a good, good problem, okay? So if you need a Bible, get a Bible. We have them on racks by both of those doors. If there's any left, I think there are, and um, you're welcome to have one. As I said last week, if you take one every week and you got 12 of ours at home, uh, bring some back, okay? Uh, another way to help you get into the Word on a daily basis, we believe in daily exposure to and intake of the Word of God is what we call the Life Journal. And these are available at, at cost uh, out at guest services, but uh, these are available to you to help you get into the Word and kind of break it down. There's a little method to break it down. It's called the SOAP method. I won't go into that right now, but it's a real simple way to get something out of your daily reading. And uh, there's hundreds of us that are going through uh, the Life Journal. So anybody's birthday that's serious about getting into the Word, anybody's birthday today, that wants to get, right there, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Uh, Sarah is an all-star, one of our teachers at the academy too. So somebody give it up for Sarah. And uh, Tony, could you get that to her? Thank you, thank you. Hey, a couple of your kids got baptized. All your kids, all both of them. All both of them. All right. You ready to get into the Word today? All right. Um, everybody has a worldview. Everybody has uh, a way that they see the world, see the... See uh, how they estimate what reality is, 
try to make sense of life around them, set priorities, make decisions, and so forth. And we call that a filter or a lens. And so on a camera, on the, Pastor Ryan was talking about you know, your smartphone. There are apps that you can get that help to uh, give you a filter or a lens to look through. We showed you some pictures here of uh, a lens, and it will give you a different color or effect or a different way to um, sharpen or change what you are seeing. And then uh, go to the next one, if you would. And so by looking through that, it's going to, in some way, uh, define or impact what you are seeing. So listen to me, Christians, believers, and I want to go a step further, followers of Jesus. Anybody a follower of Jesus? Sometimes we just take those words believer and Christian, but I want you to understand that also means you are a follower of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you should do things like Jesus did. You should kind of act like he acts. Okay, And so in, in doing this, if somebody sees things a little differently than you do, this is important. This is important what I'm about to say. If somebody sees something different than, differently than you do, do not immediately assume they are bad. It means initially they don't see it like you see it. It's because the lens that they're looking through. Okay. Now, that has consequence, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But don't just immediately start to judge. Don't immediately say, well, they're bad because they don't see it like I see it. Let me show you another picture here, and this would be a lens that is cracked. And that, to me, says they're looking through a cracked lens, which now gives them a view of life that would be different than a lens that is whole. And that speaks to me of their story. And sometimes a person's story, their life story, I've heard it put this way, their biography affects their theology, okay? So how they see life and God and everything else is based on their story. And we'll talk more about that as we go along today. And they're going to see things way different because of their story. You know, in in 30 plus years of ministry, I've heard a lot of people's stories. And and when you hear a person's story, are you all with me today? When you hear a person's story... Um, then you start to maybe be a little more compassionate. You start to understand them a little bit better. Maybe you'd be a little slower to judge them and maybe, maybe be a little more understanding of them. And in 30 plus years of ministry, I've also, also kind of come to this conclusion too. Some people's stories, once I hear their story, I wonder if I'd be doing as, as, if I'd be as well off as, as they are if I'd had the same story. If I'd had to live through what they lived through, I don't know if I'd turned out as good as they turned out. Are are you hearing me? Now, that's not to leave people alone if they see things differently than a biblical worldview because all ideas have consequence. And how you see things, everybody say see things, how you see things determines the quality of your life, the direction of your life, and ultimately the destiny of your life. So it's important that you are seeing things properly. And we believe that a biblical worldview is the proper worldview. And I'm, I'm continuing to expand on that in that series so that all of us, no pun intended, can see that that is a proper and, and, and the right and most useful worldview for all of us to have. But I really want to caution us that we're not so quick to immediately call somebody bad or to judge people because they right now would see things a little different than the way you do. It has to do with the lens that they are looking through. Are you following me? Now, let's take this a little bit deeper and follow along here. One of the things that, that um, concerns me are 
polls and studies that have been done that show how uh, the numbers are very low concerning the amount of people that have a proper biblical worldview. And that's even among adult born-again people in the United States. It's, it's, it's very low. As I said last week, the onus, the blame for that would be on preachers. It would be upon churches and it would be upon individuals for not uh, clearly putting out what is a biblical worldview. And so that's why we're taking real responsibility to make sure that that is available to you. So, again, I'm calling it a biblical worldview as opposed to a Christian worldview. Uh, And to review from last week, part of my reason, well, the main reason is this, because there's too many flavors of Christian. There's over 34,000 denominations, Christian denominations. And so that's too mixed, too watered down, too convoluted. I don't know what that means. And so, but biblical, if we have a bibliocentric, Bible-centered worldview, that helps us to come to a clear and concise worldview. So we're basing our worldview on the Bible. Can I get an amen on that today? All right. So as we begin with this biblical worldview... Um, there are two foundational beliefs that we have to have to build off of. And let, let me just say, if we're going to build it off the Bible, then we've got to know what the Bible says. And we must have some assurance, not just because Grandma passed this on to us. We must have some personal assurance that this is true, that this works. You know, that... Not just something I believe, but I, something I have some assurance of. And so we want to build this over, over the next few weeks. I think today is going to be very enlightening and helpful to you concerning this. So some foundational things is, first of all, this. Absolute moral truths exist. Absolute moral truths exist. Let me explain a little bit. An absolute moral truth is this. It's a truth or... Um, It is something that is valid and true all the time, in any context, in in any setting. No matter what the parameters are, it is a truth that is constant. It always exists. The second part of it would be this. The Bible defines these absolute moral truths. This should thrill you because in, in our world, everything is constantly changing. It's hard to keep up with. And God has written it all down for us, and it never changes. And, and it works. And so the first thing we need to know is absolute moral tr- truths do exist. And, that, and again, that, those are truths that are valid and true in any setting, in any context. They don't change. And the Bible defines these for us. Now, we're living in a day, we're living in a culture, and I'll give you a list here, of pluralism, of postmodernism, of relativism, of existentialism, of uh, tolerance. And all of these are attempting, watch this, to redefine truth or more so remove truth from the equation at all. So here's a few common quotes that we'll get concerning truth. First of all, here's a big one. There are no absolutes. Do you know what that is? That's a statement of absolutes. And so there are no absolutes. Well, let's, let's work a little bit past that one. Here's another one. Uh, you can no longer say that something is always right and wrong. 
Well, that is flawed in itself. Well, then what you just said could not be right or wrong. It's illogical to say that something can no longer be right. You can no longer say that anything is right or wrong. Try saying that to a pilot or a pharmacist or a surgeon or a chef or a gardener or say that about traffic or say that about gravity or we could go on and on and on. Here's another one. All ideas are equally valid. Not so. The moon is cheese or the moon is rock. The earth is round or the earth is flat. It's whatever I want it to be. It's whatever I, works for me. If I don't, I don't want to believe this, I don't want to think that, I just want to believe this. And if it works for you, it works for you, but this works for me. And I want to tell you that before long, you don't need many miles to find that you're going to have to change your view on what works for you. And that leaves room then for you to change your view because it's no longer valid and it leaves all this wiggle room. But in the end, it's just going to leave a mess. But the reality is moral absolutes do exist and the Bible defines those for us. Amen. Let me also talk about tolerance just for a moment. That's a big word in our culture today. Are you still here? Tolerance, we can disagree. Follow this. It is okay to disagree with people, and we are able to, listen, you can disagree with people and still treat them honorably and be kind. Are we followers of Jesus? You can, you should seek to honor the people you hope to influence. Seek to honor the people you hope to influence. In in the past, I believe too many Christians have, have only wanted to be heard instead of trying to hear. We live in what is called the Bible Belt, and I'm concerned that too many of us have belted people with the Bible. (laughs) There should be a greater effort to not just be understood, but also to understand. Why? So you can see what lens they're looking through. And because every lens you look through, it has consequence. Because, again, how you see yourself and how you see the world around you is going to determine... Remember this, the quality, the direction, and the destiny of your life. So if somebody is seeing things through this lens, it helps me to understand. I can build a bridge to them and hopefully have some dialogue and some influence. I should seek to honor those who I hope to influence. But sometimes if you come on too strong and you're just coming on with all your stuff and telling people how wrong and bad they are, they'll roll up their window. How many of you know what it means to roll up your window? How many of you remember cars? You had to roll up your window. Did anybody here driving a car today where you still roll up your window? All right. I doubt you have a smartphone. All right. Absolute moral truths exist. The Bible defines these absolute truths, and this is, this is foundational. We need to have the Bible as our filter, as the lens that we look through for life. The Bible provides, this is wonderful, folks. It provides clarity for even all all kinds of issues, even current issues. It, It speaks of everything from abortion to adultery, lying to laziness, 
sexuality is selfishness, marriage to money, you name it. The Bible either talks about it specifically or by principle. The scripture is truth. It's never changing. It's always relevant. It's forever settled and it endures forever. Can people say amen this morning? Now, a biblical worldview, we maintain that the Bible is truth. The Bible is truth. Look with me in John chapter 17, verse 17 in the Amplified Bible. It says, sanctify them. How many of you used that word this week? Probably not. Sanctify them means purify, consecrate, separate them, set them apart for yourself. Make them holy by the truth. Here it is. Your word is truth. Look in John 8, 32, powerful verse. Jesus said, and you shall know the the truth. What did he say the truth was? Your word is truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you what? Free. Free. The truth shall make you what? Free. Free. The inverse of that is true also. That if you don't know the truth, you can end up bound. But when you come to know the truth, the truth can make you free. Now, here's, here's the reality. You are going to honor, you're going to believe and honor somebody's word. I'll tell them, maybe there's, you're going there. You're going to believe and honor somebody's word. You're, you're going to take somebody's word. It's going to be your friend, your grandma, a movie, a book or something. You're going to take somebody's word and you're going to believe it and you're going to honor it and it's going to shape your life. I'll go back over there if y'all don't. <laughs> it's reality. And so you'd better be particular. You'd better be, uh, you'd better make it your business to find out then where did this come from? I know people that have based their life on a movie. People base their life on, on you know, a, an actor, some celebrity, on a book, on a fictional person. Base their life, grow certain sideburns, whatever. Roll cigarettes in their sleeve. I'm going to be that guy and live this way and live on the edge because, because of that guy. You know, and life doesn't go that way. And, and, and we'll dig a little bit further in this in a moment. You better know what is behind what you believe. You're going to believe and honor somebody's word. And so when we come to God's word, we need to know the impact of it. And we must understand, is it true and why is it true? Let me give you a little, little bit on why we understand it is true. Look at this. Truth is discovered and truth is verifiable. Example, two plus two is what? for is that true i mean not if i don't want it to be i mean that doesn't work for me what if i was in class and two plus two is 7.3 and the teacher marks it wrong and i go up the teacher and go but teach listen to me what feels right for me is 7.3 How many know that's not going to work? It's easy to discover and verify truth. Truth is discovered and truth is verifiable. Let's look at just three quick things on how the word of God is truth and verifiable. First of all, it is truth and verifiable through creation. Through creation. Let's look in Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. 
being understood by the things which are made. Let me give you the principle. You can see the creator in his creation. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. So look at creation. Just stop and look at creation. The delicate balance of the ecosystem, exact tilt and speed of the earth, exact distance from the sun. There are 60,000 varieties of beetles. George, Paul, John, Ringo. I can name them all. Intricate, beautiful flowers, seashells, undersea fish, baby's fingernails. Look at Romans 1, 19 in the Message Bible. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. Yesterday afternoon, I'm going over my notes on my front porch. A breeze is blowing by. My neighbor has some orange trees. The orange blossoms are still on. That breeze is coming by. Um, That scent of those orange blossoms is coming by. One of my favorite things in life is a breeze. I wish there was a breeze of the month club. And this one is coming from the Caribbean and from the Alps. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm going to get on that one. I got beautiful trees around. There are lizards. There's a squirrel. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff just going on around me. You look around me, you look around you and you can see the creator in creation. And, and, and where there's, where there's design, there is a designer. And I'm going to tell you, I just don't have enough faith to believe anything else but intentional design by a creator God. You you would never. What? You would never go into a room and see hundreds and hundreds of dominoes set up on end in some incredible intricate pattern. You'd never go in and see that and go, wow, something must have blew up in here. Let me give you a little, little tip here. Coda, C-O-D-A. Everybody say coda. coda. Where there's creation, there's a creator. Oh, where there's order, there's an orderer. D, where there's design, there's a designer. A, arrangement. Where there's an arrangement, there's an arranger. You look into creation, you're going to see a creator. That's one of the ways that truth Is discovered and verified. Secondly, it's through conscience. Through conscience. Look with me in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 15. Even Gentiles who do not, get this, who do not have God's written law. So this people who do not have God's written law show that they know his law. They don't have his law, but they know his law when they instinctively obey it even without having heard it. Keep going. They did. There you go. They demonstrate that God's law is written where? In their hearts for their own what? Conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. Listen, your conscience can even become callous, but people know right and wrong. Listen, people know when to run. People know when to lie. People know when to hide. Listen, it is even if they don't have God's word They know right and wrong. It's a huge, we could spend a lot of time on this. It's a huge other sign that God's word is true and it's written in the hearts of people, all people that God has created. Amen. And then thirdly, quickly on this one, 
God's word is true and it's discovered and verifiable through consideration. Consideration. Truth is observable and rational and verifiable and can be tested. Um, we like to go and visit, among other places, New York City. We haven't been for a couple years. But I have a little map. It's in my armoire at home. And I always take that little map with me because it has always proven true for me. And I'll take my smartphone with me, but sometimes in the concrete canyon, <laughs> you don't get good reception. And so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and, and I'm not, I don't know where I am. I can't find it. But that little map has proven to be reliable. I go down 42nd here and off of 7th, and there's Tony's, which is an awesome Italian restaurant. <laughs> first things first. And the Bible is like that map. It is reliable. It is reliable. And it will guide you right. When I was 12 years old, I gave my life to the Lord. I'm going to turn 57 this June. And so for 45 years, I've given my life to the Lord. Look me in the eye because a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. The word of God has proven to be a sure guide. It is true. It has never, ever failed me. I have failed. I've gone the wrong way. I've messed some things up, but it's never been God's word. God's word has always been true. And when I've stuck with God's word, I've always gotten the right result. God's word is true. We understand it by consideration. You've got to consider the lives and the lifestyle. Don't accept a belief without looking at the life behind it. How many of you have ever had a a college-level philosophy class? It'll mess your mind up. (laughs) Go a little bit further and study the biography of the philosophers. And seriously, do it. Study the biography of the philosophers, and almost all of them were basket cases. And I'm not trying to be rude. Their philosophy did not work. Their philosophy did not work. Let me go ahead, and with all due respect, 1999, Dr. Paul C. Vitz came out with a book called Faith of the Fatherless, The Psychology of Atheism. He studied, it's a study of the 100 most famous atheists over the past four centuries in history to see if there was anything they held in common. Despite its pretensions to cool-headed rationality, modern atheism originated in the irrational, often neurotic, psychological need of a few powerfully influential thinkers. The psychological source of their militant atheism was the absence of a good father. They hated their fathers. They had either all been abandoned by, abused by, ridiculed by, rejected by, had weak fathers, never knew their fathers, or their fathers died when they were young. And if they hated their father, how could they ever pray, our father who is in heaven? If God is like my father, then no, thank you. Don't accept a belief without looking at the life behind it. And just like the philosophers, that doesn't work. But the Bible is true, and there's internal and external proof of that, historical, archaeological, and scientific evidence. Listen to this. The Bible was written over a 1,600-year time span. 
on three different continents by 40 different authors written by kings, shepherds, fishermen, farmers, and tax collectors. Yet it speaks with consistency of the most controversial topics of the day. It tells one story from beginning to end of God's love and salvation for man and how he came into the world through Jesus Christ. No human being could orchestrate or account for this incredible, consistent, powerful book of truth. It is 98% textually pure through centuries of copying manuscripts. There are no other ancient manuscripts of the entire world that even come close to this accuracy. The 2% in question does not affect its doctrine, but merely as a matter of spelling and wording. Plus, more than 24,000, there are more than 24,000 early whole or partial manuscripts that exist, which equals over a hundred times more ancient manuscripts than the next most commonly copied ancient works, which are accepted as credible, including the works of Homer, which are accepted. And there's so many works that are accepted as credible. And yet the word of God, God's Bible, the scripture blows them away as far as amount of ancient manuscripts are accurately copied and copied and copied and copied over and over and over. I'm telling you by consideration, again, the word of God stands as true and credible. Amen. And plus, look at the hearts and lives of believers, real followers of Jesus. I'm not talking about the loud, judgmental, angry, religious brand. I'm talking about people who walk in some peace and grace and truth and confidence in their God. In John 3, in the Message Bible, it says, But anyone who examines this evidence will come to stake his life on this, that God himself is the truth. Everybody's betting their life on something. And I'm betting my life, I'm betting my all that Jesus is who he says he is. And God's word is true. I've done it for 45 years and nothing could sway me from that. You ask me how I know, how I know he lives? He lives in my heart. He's been with me in my good times, for sure. But in my bad times, and I'm just coming out of a pretty bad season, you try to convince me he's not real. You try to convince me that his word's not true. I know. God is true. God's word is truth. Absolute moral truths exist. And God's word defines those. My friend, you are safe to view life through the lens of God's word. And how you see yourself and how you see the world around you does determine the quality the direction, and ultimately the destiny of your life. I would call you, I would challenge you, I'd encourage you in every way I could make sure that you're looking at life and looking at yourself and looking at others through the filter of God's Word. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala.